Hey guys, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that really thrives on you not getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love. Play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to access my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach and that the show is really sponsored by you guys. Each of you that works with me that I am able to take on as a client helps me to be able to keep putting out these podcasts for free. So I just want to thank you, each of you, for your love and support. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 137. In today's episode, I interview Jens Jacob Anderson of runrepeat.com, where we dive into more than just running. His history of running from an elephant in Africa still makes me laugh. We also dive into a little on having it too easy and not being able to push through, which is certainly thought-provoking. Here it is, and enjoy. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Bare Naked Health Podcast. And on the line today, I have Jens Jacob Anderson of runrepeat.com. Jens, first thing I'm always curious about is tell us with, uh, tell us about your health, movement, wellness journey, kind of what that looks like uh, for you up to this point. Huh. You know, just before they started the podcast, you said, we agreed just to see where we would go. And I can tell already now that we'll go some, somewhere uh, that you did not expect. I, so, I like um, it. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> First and foremost, uh, thanks for having me on the on the podcast. Um, so, I've always been fascinating about experimenting with my body. Um, and uh, when I was in high school, that's about ten years ago. Uh, I did a lot of uh, running. I think fifteen years ago, I started. I started running, and I was competitive runner. Uh, if you are a competitive runner. One metric that means a lot is your weight. So you need to be like, yeah, you need to be super skinny. Uh, so I was pretty skinny. Um, I, w- I, I, I went into like going to the gym and stuff and I put on some weight. So I wasn't that good a runner anymore. Uh, I did some uh, ketogenic diets uh, with great success. Uh, and I did, I did one for 30 days with like absolutely zero carbs. That was really, really interesting experiment. Um, what, what, did, what did you get out of it? Like, what, what did your, how did your body react? How did your running yeah. react? And like, what did you learn from that even? Yeah. So, um, uh, um, I, it started out by me just being very interested in like the body. So I read a lot about physiology and stuff like that and different diets. Uh, I've always been a, a, a guy in, in, in good shape. Um, and I thought this sounded pretty extreme. Uh, my body fat percentage at that point was around, I think, 9%, so pretty good. And after one month, uh, you know, when you go on a ketogenic diet, uh, I don't know if, if if we should explain to the listeners quickly what it is. Give, I mean, most people are probably pretty familiar. Give the 30-second overview of kind of what yeah. it is. So Atkins just with absolutely zero carbs. So 70% fat, 30% uh, proteins. That's basically it. And uh, while your body needs uh, uh, carbs, it, 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 uh, it makes this very odd, very uh, unusual transformation from fat to uh, uh, ketosis, uh, which is like a s- similar to uh, carbon hydrates. So, um, so it's actually used to cure a few uh, uh, diseases, uh, um, yeah, but anyway, uh, my fat percentage went from uh, those nine percent to um, just below five percent, and which is uh, a huge change in a month. So like <laughs> one month period of time, that's drastic to begin with. Yeah, yeah, especially if you're already down at it's nine. It's already I know pretty lean, right? Yeah, it is right. So five percent was that was really extreme. Um, 
I was never hungry, never ever hungry. I really forced myself to eat. The thing is, I the thing was that I trained like I, I went to the gym six times a week and I ran four times a week probably. So I did, I did a lot of training, um, but I, I kept my muscle mass. So I was I was super lean at that point. But it led to something that's less fortunate, which was uh, uh, oh I'm not gonna pronounce this right. Bulimia. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I was very obsessed with my body and was very unhealthy in many ways. Um, and and I think I had a strange uh, bulimia. 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 Yeah, I mean, close to the accent, it works. You're good. You're good. Um, and uh, what I did was I've always loved sugar. And when you do the this diet, you cannot do sugar at all. So when I finished this and... I actually finished successfully. You know, when your body goes from being really, really awesome to being just awesome, you think that your body looks really uh, bad or not very attractive while, you, while you're while you maybe at 6% fat and, and it looks like really crazy. Uh, you yourself think that you, you, you're no longer that attractive like your, 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 the look of your body. Because so, we are really our own harshest critic from that standpoint. Like everybody looks yeah. at themselves and there's – Everybody's like, oh, I could always do a little of this, a little of that. And so no, yeah. that actually makes a lot of sense, especially with changing, I guess, back then from where you were a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so what I did, and that was after the ketogenic diet, I uh, I ate healthy. But then uh, it started maybe like just once a week or twice a week. I went to the, to, to the, um, <clears throat> to the store and I bought candy, chips and Coke for maybe – and cake for maybe – And then I ate all I could in maybe 10 minutes. And I really ate it super, super fast. I was just standing and eating this. And then I went and puked. And I did this for maybe maybe three months, I think. So it was not that long. Um, So I never did it after eating dinner or anything. It was just, it was was really weird. Uh, So it was always like that garbage, like, food you would just go get and then just do it it wasn't like necessarily like oh you could have a good breakfast a good dinner like no big deal but there would be that one moment like during the day you would just go and just gorge and then get rid of it yeah 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 um so it's a it's really interesting to have had this experience i haven't i've been way more relaxed with my body ever since um of course i could say oh i'd love to have that body but not uh having it with what it what what what's uh, what 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 it also brings well gents you seem very open to talking about this so i appreciate this like what is it that you really learned from that experience because it seems like you're pretty good with it now like you said like yeah okay that was that was messed up at the time but like how did you either get over that or what what have you learned from that like going forward with really being able to take care of yourself i think everything in life is balances and it's like you, if you have too much of something, you're going to miss something else. I'm not saying you should not strive for excellence in one field. Uh, I think you can learn so much from that. I definitely think you should do it. But when you take things to the very extremes, there's a high uh, risk of some negative things uh, impacting your life as well. And that could be in any facets of life. Um, but you also do see if, if you want to be the best in the world, uh, very often you have to be a crazy person. Uh, because there's so much competition for being the best in the world. So um, it doesn't always just bring good things. Um, so everything is balances and you have to, to make up with yourself if you want to uh, take those sacrifices. Uh, it could be with work as well, working working a lot, lose friends, lose friends, lose your family. <laughs> uh, uh, what does balance in your life look like then? Uh, from... Not just like maybe a pure health standpoint, like eating, working out, running, whatever it is, but also like you said, like those social activities, I mean, sleep, like where does this all kind of come together for yourself now? Yeah. So nowadays, my uh, from a health point of view, I don't have an alarm clock. I wake up when I wake up, uh, which is pretty nice. I really enjoy that. And... Um, I drink once in a while, though I don't like to drink. Actually, it's not really my thing. I think, I think it's more like a social thing. I'm good with, with small groups, but if it's like a big group of ten plus people, I'm not doing very well. I think that's where I become an introvert. Um, and uh, in terms of work, 
I have a very relaxed <laughs> work schedule, I'd say. So if I want to take off in the morning, uh, I'm just off. If I want to work in the evening, I do that. I've living as a nomad. I've been living as a nomad for three years. Uh, so um, just traveling around and working when I wanted. Um, Where right you now, traveling to? Um, oh, most of South Southeast Asia. Um, that's where I've been the most. Then I also had like uh, three months in Africa. Um, then I lived half a year in Barcelona, half a year in Malaysia, three months in Bali. I did two years skiing in Norway and then three months in Australia and one month in New Zealand. Um, so that's really bouncing around too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but but um, I, I have the freedom to do this and I think I should utilize it. But uh, I also love my work. So yeah, it's, it's balances, I see. All right. So I have a couple questions off that. Well, before we dive into, because I do want to ask you about work, what have you learned from some of the other cultures? Because uh, you've been experienced, like a, I would say, like a very dynamic or diverse uh, cultural experience there from bouncing from some of those places. Like, what are some of the things you've either uh, picked up or implemented for yourself now? Yeah. So I come from Denmark. Uh, one thing I've learned is that uh, Danes are lazy. We are too fortunate. We we for our um, our grand grand grandparents have built up a great country. Uh, same same goes for you, uh, which means that um, we live in such good comfort today that uh, we have less to strive for compared to many other countries, uh, and we should really appreciate where we are now, uh, but um, but also fight to improve, uh, which might be harder. I'm 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 a bit curious. Um, where this will go the next uh, 50 years um, because you know work-life balance works like if you get too much not too much money but if you start earning a lot then you want then you start to appreciate more your private life and maybe your health and stuff like that and then you want to work less but if if the salary go, goes really high and your and your um, and your living uh, standards increase a lot then you want to work less and less and that's what you see from the statistics the past 200 years we've been working less and less um so how much are we working in uh, in 30 years from now uh, i don't know um yeah learnings from other countries um uh <laughs> Oh, there are many learnings, but one other one other highlight is that um, you can. There are things you hear in the news, and then there are things you experience, and those two things are very very different. I mean, you could travel to the unsafest place in Africa and meet the nicest people on earth. Um, so so uh, for instance, uh, oh, yeah, uh, there are just so many like really nice and kind people out there, and and but but when we just live in our small capsule here we we think everyone is every stranger is just gonna kill us but uh, where were you in africa uh 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 kenya tanzania zambia zimbabwe south africa uh, botswana mozambique lesotho and swaziland okay so more that I guess like Southern Africa, like in Eastern Africa, if you will, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, just so I kind of get the area there. All right. Yeah. Very cool. And I did have an experience with an elephant chasing me, but that was, uh, yeah, I didn't know too much about elephants, but apparently they can run like, I think 40 miles an hour, uh, which is, this is while okay, I'm this is, Wait, this is a perfect intro here. So let's, let's dive into running here a little bit too. Uh, <laughs> no, but finish the story. Like, okay. Did, what did, how did you get away from this elephant then? Yeah, I was cross. I was crossing the border from Zambia to Zimbabwe by foot, and uh, a guy told me. Um, I, I asked for the direction to this small city, and he said, "You can go this straight way, or you can make this the, the turn to the right here if you are a bit adventurous." I was like, "Yeah, I'm adventurous." <laughs> so, so I went on that detour, and on the road, it was just me walking here. Um, I saw an elephant and was maybe 200 meters ahead of me. I didn't know too much about elephants. I was very ignorant. Um, and I, I took up my camera and walked closer to it while I was filming and went into the bushes. I was like, oh, let, 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 let's get closer. So I went into the bush and I was maybe 15 meters from the elephant when it... Um, it was eating and it, it had long discovered me uh, and 
and it did this thing with, with its ears where it takes out the ears and then it starts uh, saying the, the sound uh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. And just backed off and then it chased me um, I, I cannot I cannot tell why it didn't uh, chase me all the way. I, I just ran for around 200, 300 meters all I could, just on the road and then just full speed. Uh, and then I looked back and was just standing down there. I was really, really scared. Uh, when I came to this small city, I was told, uh, I saw a um, I saw a car driving in the city and it was, they were with a, like, uh, with a uh, loudspeaker and they were saying, um, Everyone has to get inside now because the elephants are coming now. Um, please get indoor. Uh, and I was like, uh, I asked them why they would say that. And they said, oh, yeah, once a week, someone is uh, tramped down by an elephant uh, to death. I was like, whoa, I guess I was lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's, that sounds about right. Lucky would be the way to go there. <laughs> I, well, so I also imagine, like, I guess if it's a single elephant, like they probably can't turn very well. Like cut. Like you change no. directions. That's my thought, no. at least. Like keep going. Yeah, that's my thought as well. It's not gonna kill me, but again, I think it's I think it's me being ignorant. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I'm sure I am too with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay, so let's go into a little bit on running though, too. So talking about uh, like your running career, like what what does that look like? And I'm also curious how how did it go when you were. Uh, doing the ketogenic diet like with your running times or distances or recovery or whatever it might be but maybe give a little brief history like kind of where you've been with all of yeah. your running yeah so um actually i started running because i was playing soccer and got injured so i had to uh, stay fit and running is just i think i think if it's not the most calorie burning sport then it's at least in the top three or something, because you are moving your body uh, as opposed to cycling, for instance, or swimming. Um, so, um, uh, so I stayed fit that way, uh, and I, I came to enjoy it. So I just ran for myself. You know, some enjoyed running groups or clubs, so I just enjoyed running for myself. So um, I did lots of interval training, really, really uh, quality-focused training. So twice a week it was interval training. Once a week, it was temporary run, and then one long run, and then three easy jogs of just two miles. Um, and uh, a guy at the at the stadium, every uh, three times a week, I jumped the fence to the stadium to train in the stadium for myself. Um, and a guy uh, discovered me, and he said, um, oh, I was running those 400-meter intervals pretty fast. Uh, if I ever considered uh, running in a club, I was like, no, I just run, run for myself. And I joined the club. Um, uh, because he offered me to go to a competition, which I thought was ni nice. It was a regional championship in cross country. I was like, yeah, sounds cool. Um, and uh, it turned out that I won. So uh, I was all of a sudden regional champion in cross country, where all the really good now, runners. When is this? Like, are you still in high school? Is this like where? Yeah. Is this okay. It's it's high school. Yeah. So around ten years ago. Um, and so I kept running for for a few years, and and but uh, I never became the like Danish champion or anything. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, maybe I learned from not being from being too extreme previously. I don't know. <laughs> On the other hand, that maybe that's sad. Um, uh, and running while you're on a ketogenic diet, I can just all I can say is if you're doing endurance sport, the ketogenic diet isn't very good. Uh, so well from yeah. what I've heard a lot of people talk about too is like you need to adapt to it like you're talking a year maybe two years to you can yeah. see those yeah. same numbers and it's are you willing to put some of that in too but in the short term yeah it's you're probably going to tank pretty hard yeah yeah definitely yeah um, <clears throat> I was running maybe I had trainings of maybe 20 miles while I was on the ketogenic diet so it's definitely possible but it just it it just hurts in a different way. It hurts like when you're running a marathon and you hit uh, mile 21. That's where you hit the wall. That's how it feels constantly, just from mile one, really. Because you don't, when you hit the wall, what happens is actually that your, that your, uh, uh, how do you, how do you pronounce it? Glucogen? Glucogen, yep. Say, say that again? Yeah, like your glucagon levels, your, your glucose. Yeah, glucagon so, level. Yeah. 
they are depleted and now you have to turn to fat to burning only fat uh, but when you're a ketogenic diet that's basically what happens all the time uh, so that's why you have that similar feeling although i said glucagon it might be glycogen uh, either way i know I, I i'm trying to remember if one's a different measure either way look that up we're, we're, we're on the right track at least but okay yeah. so it's it's that intense because this is something i've considered like uh, I can be in strongman events, so it's like it's definitely much shorter duration. Uh, but I've always I've always felt good like with a blend of yeah, like talked about before, kind of like trying to find that right blend, uh, if you will, of carbs, protein, fats for you. Um, but yeah, I, I, I imagine how I'd react with that. But the endurance events, I think it would be even more of a harsh. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine running through a wall basically for twenty miles. Mm. No, no, no. I think you. I think you're. Let's say you have two two people who are like competing in one in endurance, one in uh, strength. I definitely think the one in endurance will 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 perform significantly worse than the average than the one in strength. Uh, I'm not saying the one in strength is is performing better. Uh, I'm just saying that the that the decline will be smaller. I think. Yeah, because it's usually not a glucose dependent. Like you have to be. It has to be at least a couple minutes till you're really starting to tap into that because you're purely yeah. anaerobic. I mean, for for most of the events that we'd be doing, uh, I think yeah. it'd be, I think then it would come down to more of that recovery aspect. So that's what I'm yeah. curious too. Like, how is your sleep? How is your recovery between workouts? Even mm. then? Um, <clears throat> as I remember, the co- recovery was fine. I didn't sleep too much when I was on the on the diet. I think I slept like six hours a night, and then I was just awake i didn't i didn't <laughs> i really remember that i was just fresh in the morning early um but I, again I, I, I i'm not sure if that's healthy to be fresh after after five or six hours only um but i mean you cannot sleep anymore <laughs> so it was just waking up yeah so now where did that lead into to like starting runrepeat.com like Bring us up to date, like where you're at now with all of that, because I'm sure, like, it was something like when you sent me something, like I was checking out, and I thought it was really cool, but I'm not going to do it justice. I want you to kind of describe for people what this is all about, then, too. Yeah. So um, when I was studying at uni, uh, I started a running store, um, and I was uh, I was bothered that all people bought the same five pairs of running shoes. Uh, so people buy the shoes that are promoted. It's all about marketing. Advertising, marketing, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, and I was really annoyed by this. Um, uh, so I thought, w- w- why not just build one database of all running shoes? So that was that was actually the basic foundation, just the database of all running shoes. Um, and that is basically just what it is today. Of course, when you visit the website, that's maybe not how you think it. Think of it um, today. It's like it's a website that helps you find the right running shoe at the right price. Uh, that's that's what we do today. That's what we did two years ago, and that's what we'll do ten years ago, ten years from now. I mean, in ten years, people will still want the same product cheaper, right? Um, so um, we are basically like uh, the movie side IMDb for running shoes and sneakers, or you could say TripAdvisor for running for running shoes and sneakers. Um, and soon we'll also add a training category, which will include like like weightlifting, uh, CrossFit. So uh, shoes, and that's what I was going to ask you. So you name it, the type of shoe that you want to go for. Uh, now, is it, like, is it always going to be centered around athletics, though, or even maybe branch yeah. out from there? Still always around athletics. Yeah, yeah, definitely athletics. Actually, I have a fetish for shoes. That's another. How personal many shoes do you have? Uh, I don't have many shoes because I'm a minimal- minimalist, so uh, I I try to own as little as possible. I guess, yeah, if you're uh, bouncing all around, you can't carry 100 pairs <laughs> of shoes with you. That might get tough. That's true. Um, but I judge people by the shoes. So, um, And if I meet a girl, the first thing I'll look at is her shoes. And if I can't see them, let's say let's say you're in, in, a, in the train, and for some reason someone else is covering her shoes, I would I would look to the sides or look down. If if I thought that her face was cute, I would always look for the shoes before I would get an, get a full impression of her. So uh, I have a fetish for shoes, definitely. That's awesome. I've never heard any guy, especially guys, say that before. <laughs> like that, no, but I like I understand. Like we each have our thing. Like you want to check out and see what that other person's into. You're gonna get. You're. I'm sure 
for you, you're going to have a very good idea about that person. For if you study shoes that much, you're going to know what that shoe probably says about them. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. <clears throat> yeah, and I do judge people by it. It's uh, it's really, uh, but but it can be ju- judging can be in good and bad ways. I mean, oh, absolutely. Uh, I, uh, I'm definitely looking for 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 good looking shoes. It's not like I think I'm more interested in the good looking ones than judging people on the negative ones. Uh, um, but for instance, you also see people who are wearing uh, shoes you wouldn't think of as nice shoes, but that can tell a different story about the person that maybe he does not care too much about his looks, or maybe you see he actually has good style in, in something else, or uh, uh, but he's just not very uh, superficial like some other people are. Uh, there can be many explanations to this. So, um, yeah. Um, <clears throat> So back to the shoes and run repeat, then it has just been for running shoes for for three years. Uh, we started uh, just being me, that's three years ago. Then there was one person, then the year after we were four people, the year after that we were eight people, and this year we are now 45. Uh, so we, so that's we've been a growing. Huge jump there too, that's awesome. <laughs> so we've been growing quite a lot, um, and I think what what people like about the website, because there are many review websites out there, uh, but what we do is that we, I mean, we aggregate all information because when there is uh, infinite supply of information about something, you will need some kind of aggregation uh, to sort out the bad information because the internet. You want to read through forty five hundred reviews of a shoe, like it's not going to help you any. Yeah. Exactly. So we just present like a run score, a score from one to one hundred. Um, which is basically just uh, user reviews and expert reviews uh, summarizing this score. And then you can dip, dig deeper and you can have links to all the experts and you can see how how well uh, ranked they are, so how trustfully are they, are they et cetera. Um, and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically what the website is about. No, and now... I do want to dive into shoes. Like specific, let's let's stick with probably running shoes. Like, what is like where are running shoes going? Because uh, there's every probably year there's probably something new that comes out. Like, what is what is on the horizon? What is good? What is bad about all of this? Yeah. So um, uh, whenever you ask someone that question, and whenever you hear someone answer it or any questions, you have to consider. What is their interest in answering this question? And my interest would be that uh, you should buy, uh, first and foremost, you should buy your running shoes online because then I can make money. Uh, I'm not going to tell you that, first and foremost. Uh, my second argument would be uh, to try to make running shoes something very fancy and maybe try to complicate it a bit, a bit so that you actually need help, so that you actually need to visit my website. Uh, and I'm not going to tell you that either. Uh, so here's my honest opinion about running shoes. Running shoes didn't develop too much for the past five years. And I don't think they'll develop much in the next five years either. Yes, they did make some technolo- technological changes. But overall, the running shoes are the same. And 98% of how good you're a runner you are will never have anything to do with your running shoes. So Wait, do let's, go... Let's- Repeat that again. Like, no, that, that's a huge point to bring up, though. It's just like, I mean, sure, we're talking about running shoes here, but this could be a shoe for something else. This could be an accessory. This could be, I mean, it, ad nauseum. Like, this is, it, it comes down to supplements, probably. It's the same thing. It's like, it still isn't as good as the food that you're eating. Like, you still have to have the whole food. Here, it's the same thing. You still have to have good training and everything, too. But, yeah, yeah thank you for that. That's very important. Yeah. Um, so, so people care too much about their running shoes. Uh, and also if you actually look at the market of running shoes and you look, look at the reviews, uh, people are actually really satisfied in general with the product selection of running shoes and how good and comfortable they are. So what you win from going to buy, from buying the premium version is very little. But of course, if you have, uh, Redundant amount, redundant amounts of money. You should always buy the premium, of course, if it doesn't mean anything to you. But other than that, I would always go for the uh, value for money shoe. If we if we go back 15 years, there was a movement called minimalism, mis- minimalistic running shoes. It became very popular because a professor at Howard endorsed minimalistic running shoes, and actually he 
it was discovered afterwards he had a contract with Wyburn Five Fingers, which was the brand that actually came out to be the minimalistic running shoe brand. Uh, that peaked in around 2007, I think, or eight. And what happened was that this Vibram Five Fingers was a new brand, got very popular. Then the other brands, Asics, Nike, Adidas, Brooks, all of those brands, they decided, oh, there's a market here. Now we're going to make a running shoe as well for minimalist, minimalistic runners. And we're going to take some of this market share. Um, so maybe they did not even believe in this idea of minimalistic running shoes, but they, they joined it because there was a market for it. They saw and what the happened, numbers. Yeah, they knew they could get exactly. something out of it. It's all about money. And so, so the trend declined. And what happened recently, maybe five years ago, a new brand came up. It's called Hoka, One One, or One One, which some say Hoka One One. Um, and they made, guess what, maximalist running shoes. So the complete opposite of minimalistic running shoes. So basically, just really thick soles. And there is a small niche group that really, really loves them. And and. Um, now that has become the trend and now all the other brands are making these shoes as well and i just see history repeating itself over and over again uh, of course there has been improvements to running shoes but you shouldn't care too much about this in the end buying running shoes is about one thing if i can make it one down to one thing and that is comfort that's premise number one uh, if you go to a running store they will probably tell you something like Ah, we need to make a running analysis of your body and your how 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 your body is moving when you're running because then we can also sell you these insoles and you actually also need to buy this and that. Um, but if you look at the studies that's been there, actually, um, uh, a colleague and 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 myself, we spent uh, was it 185 hours uh, just reading studies on this art support thing, and our key conclusion was, and we interviewed. 15 experts on the topic our conclusion was it, it it doesn't do a thing for you if you have problems with your body if you get injured in your knees or anything go to a specialist and um, do uh, uh, consider his advice but don't go to a general running store uh, that's that's also an advice and if you go to a specialist running shoe store which i recommend uh, force yourself to try at least six pairs of running shoes so that you so that you um, do do get the feeling of how they are different and and, and pick don't the try the same type of shoe probably try like no really you probably want to yeah. like when yeah. you say try six like you could pick six yeah. and they'll be like all the same one just a different brand like no yeah. probably point. maybe go with one brand and then pick six different types of shoes even yeah 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 uh, i agree different price points as well yeah and uh, if you dare don't look at the price until you've decided what shoe you'll buy and maybe you'll end up buying the cheaper shoe. Yeah, but um, that's tough. If you go, like, even if you're looking online or if you go to a place, that's the first thing, like, they're trying to show you, too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Now, I'm intrigued. Well, I think you bring up a really good point because I'm a physical therapist, so, like, I'm seeing people all the time, like, oh, what shoe should I get? It's like, and I usually say the same thing, like, what are you comfortable in? Because mm -hmm. if you have a high arch, if you have a low arch, it doesn't matter. It's what can your foot do? Like, is your foot controlling that? But what's also happening at your knee? What's happening at your hips? Like, all of that comes into play. It's not just like if you if you if you wear something that has a high arch in the shoe. Well, that's making your foot move differently. Well, how does your knee feel when you're walking around in those, just trying them on? How does your hip feel? How does your back feel? Like, all of those things are still going to be affected. So, mm. I think like you said, going with what's comfortable is probably going to be the biggest piece of advice that people could usually get for that too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not saying that one should not go for uh, that. No one should go for art support. I mean, if you go to a specialist and you get that advice or get that advice for insults, you, you can, you can do that. I mean, uh, in the end, uh, uh, I think getting an injury makes a person really sad, at least myself. So I think it's, it's worth the investment if it's needed. Uh, I definitely recommend that. Um, so yeah. No, and it's really true because like I'm a big minimalist footwear fan, but I'm a big fan of that for me because my feet function properly. Like I don't I don't run, so that's not really like a big thing for me. Like if I'm going to do anything, I do sprints and I do them in the grass and I do them barefoot. So mm. I, I'm kind of taking other things out of play. But like walking around, like I don't like having a lot of support. Like my feet get sore when I do that. So. I don't wear that, but I've also conditioned myself to be able to do that. So people will say mm. like, oh, well, yeah, you're wearing those. Like, should I do those too? It's like, 
mm. and, and I'll examine their foot. Like some, like it might be somebody I'm treating. I'm like your foot is absolutely rigid. The muscles do not work. Like you would be terribly miserable in this. Like yeah. not to say you can't do it, but it's going to take you three years to get there, and you have to go yeah. along all the right steps uh, along the way there. Now, yeah. and that's what people oh, don't yeah. get when they go into like uh, minimalistic running, for instance, or just footwear. Yeah. Yeah, there's a break-in process of really mm. anything that you're doing because it's changing the way that you function, if you will. Mm. Yeah, and and by the way, I think doing uh, barefoot running on grass once in a while is excellent training. It's really, I mean, I think you can recommend that to any sports person to do just once a month, go on the grass, have a proper warm-up, and then do... 10 times 100 meter intervals if you find a, a, a big pitch or something like that uh, it's really healthy for your for for the lower uh, 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 oh, I'm afraid I'm gonna say a wrong word now uh, uh, Go for it. <laughs> uh, lig ligaments right yeah, yeah. Ligam well no the ligamentous system yeah it, I mean there's so much that it's gonna be good for but that would certainly be a big part of it because now Everything, all the proprioceptors, everything has to be firing for you to be able to stabilize because now you're just not on an even road. I mean, you're going, the grass is very uneven, even if it appears to be even. Like, you have to fire so many different muscles. Same thing, like, when people run on sand, they're wondering, like, all of a sudden, their calves are burning like crazy because they're not used to working that much. It's just a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, we're talking a lot about feet here, and you have a really cool article on uh well you have actually a bunch of cool articles but one of them is what is it 50 shades of plantar fasciitis this is uh, okay but actually i did have a question for you on this so in here i'm looking at it and checking it all out but it says like the average length of time is six to 18 months that people go through this with uh so i believe that it said uh on like one of the infographics like uh the average length of time people deal with plantar fasciitis is six between six and 18 months like that's a really long time. Like, is, is this just in the research that you guys found out? Like, it usually takes that long for people to heal from it? We found several studies uh, 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 proving that. Uh, of course, it varies a lot. Uh, oh, yeah, but I, yeah. I, I think um, a, a huge challenge for many people is that uh, from the time they discover it to the time they get treatment to the time that they actually do their exercises, that's a long time. So uh, it would be also interesting to see from the time you actually do your exercises that you've been recommended from a guy like you, for instance, how long time does it take to recover? That's a really important point. Because, well, no, and, and that's what I kind of figured you were going to say about this. It's just one of those, like, it, it, it almost frustrates the hell out of me because something like this, you should be good to go a month, maybe two months, like, if, if it's really chronic, like, really nagging on. Uh, but this is where, oh man, what, what do you notice for yourself or, or like anybody that you've talked to, like, what are people still really struggling with in the running world, uh, when it comes to being able to physically take care of themselves? <laughs> uh, I can include myself in this batch. <laughs> so, uh, that is when people get injured, they start too soon, uh, Starting because back to go to run too soon. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I think this is the same for most sports. Um, um, <clears throat> so so people get an injury, then let's say they're out for a month, and let's say they used to run 20 miles a week. Then they do one week with just 10, mi 10 miles, and then they jump directly back to 20 because now they're fine. And uh, as you can explain much better than I can, uh, your, your joints are connected. And let's say your knee doesn't feel well, it might not actually be the knee that's a problem. It might be something in your back uh, or in your hip or somewhere else that's that's not, uh, uh, how do you say, like, um, not proportionate, but not... Uh, Just not functioning properly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so people start too soon, and I, I've, I've done that myself uh, quite a few times. Uh, the more it happens to you, the better you get at, like, uh, <laughs> taking it slow. Um but I think it's just uh, people not thinking things through. And now I'm saying again, including myself. Um, so and and injuries just make you so unhappy. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'm I'm sure you can relate to this that people start too fast. Well, uh, okay, I, 
this is something I've heard. Uh, I feel like I remember this from undergrad or something like that. I'm trying to remember where I picked it up on, but the rule of like 10%. So, and, and I don't know if this is a big, is that a big thing in running? Like you really shouldn't increase. So if you're starting off, like you said, you, you come back and you start five miles in a week. Well, now the next week you really shouldn't go more than 5.5 miles. Like no more than 10% of what you started with. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that that's a huge thing. I think most training programs, uh, they or running programs, they progress with around ten percent in total volume. But volume, as in strength training uh, or bodybuilding, is uh, a mixture of uh, how many reps and how heavy they are. And same goes in running: how intense are you running and how long are you running? It's a combination of those two. So if you are twenty miles. Uh, and let's say you increase by 10%, so it's 22, then you cannot at the same time uh, do more intervals, for instance. Uh, so you need to you need to balance that. Uh, and, and that's a really str- real struggle because when people start running, they, they uh, and let's say they are fit people, so they, they can pretty quickly go to, let's say, 20 miles a week. They, they as you also know, probably much better than I do, um, uh, your your shape uh, um, evolves faster than your joints, and I think for running your joints it takes a few years be- until they are uh, actually evolved enough for you to uh, consume for your body to to do more training. So it has to be a very slow uh, transition. And and if you let's say you increase ten percent per week, okay, after ten weeks you would have increased a total of 300% because of compound uh, compound interest. So, I mean, 300% for 10 weeks. I mean, in a year, you have no idea where you can be, but still people progress too fast. And another important detail would be um, um, that every fifth week, at least in running, it's popular to take a week where you uh, do a really slow week. So remove your quality training and just do and cut your volume in. Let's say you cut your volume by forty percent or something. So it's like a recovery week. That's really really important in running. Uh, so yeah. I'm curious for your thoughts on this because this is something. Uh, over the last few months, like I've actually started working with a strongman coach, like who does all my programming. Um, who's just again better at it than I am, right? Like we're trying to learn from the best and. I would always find myself needing some of those deload weeks, but now uh, I, I'm ch- he's changing up the variables a lot more. Off, like every three weeks, basically we're changing up variables, and I find I really don't need those types of weeks anymore. I'm curious, like uh, thoughts on that maybe for running? Like you said, so it might be uh, three weeks you're working on hills, three weeks you're working on speed, three weeks you're working on uh, endurance, uh, mm. three weeks you're. I, whatever it might be. Uh, but I'd be curious to see how uh, basically cycling through something like that could even have an impact on not necessarily having to take every, what you said, like fifth week or so and really cutting back on either intensity or volume overall. Uh, so I think uh, variation is key. So I think your, 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 uh, your, uh, was it, I don't know, what do you call this? Your, your training uh, like my training blocks, training cycles. Yeah, yeah. I, I think variation is key. So I think it's really great that you have those, uh, the, that you shift between. But I'm, uh, I'm curious, like your thoughts on that for even running, or if you've ever played around with something like that, where you really uh, paying attention to those variables rather than just following the rule of ten percent or something like that. I think I think you have to cheat your body. So I think it's right to do this uh, and. Uh, if you go to the gym and you do those, uh, I don't know how much you bench, but now I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, let's say someone benches uh, 160 or pounds. say 100 pounds is probably easier for math to figure 100 out. Pounds, yeah, yeah. Uh, and and this person increases every week by, let's say two and a half pounds per week. Uh, then the body, while you do cheat the body a bit by making it heavier and heavier, it's still in relative. Uh, 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 effort from the body is still the same because you're also getting stronger. So you have to do those like explosive sets uh, once in a while. You have to do those really lightweight uh, as well. Um, but this goes deeper than just for the average. I mean, for the average, I just uh, do some big compound uh, uh, exercises. And for running, I think it's just about getting out there. And then 
mix your training, do some long intervals with short breaks, do some short break, short intervals with long breaks, mix it all up, do some tempo race, uh, tempo running, do some, uh, 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 do some interval training where the distance varies constantly, like from one tree to the next, or what I used to do a lot was when I was traveling, because you don't, you rarely have a stadium. Um, and I usually don't run with a watch. I just run in my, in my shorts, uh, uh, and then on the beach, I love that. So I'd count my steps um, and then say, okay, now I let's say you build a ladder. So you do 40 steps on the right foot and then you then you walk for 10 steps, let's say that. Then you build it up to 60, 80, 100, and then down 80, 60, 40. Um, but but, but back, back to your question, I think variation is key. Uh, I think variation is less used in running than in, uh, than in, uh, than in the gym. Um, uh, because if you look at the professional runners, what is really important to them is to have high mileage, uh, like lots of miles, and then they do interval training. Um, so, uh, so I, I, maybe it's more, maybe it's more, uh, not less educated, but more simple in running than in the gym. And I think it comes down to everybody finding the style that works for them. Because you talk to people like some people do great on volume, some people do great on intensity, uh, and they still might be chasing the same thing. Uh, whether mm. it's um, a 5K or whether it's a marathon, and they might still com- train completely different for the, both of those then too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, gents, I'm curious. So you talked about like uh, jumping a, a lot from one up to what, 44 or 45 employees now. Uh, t- like I, I was checking out on the site there too. Do you have some people that have run some pretty crazy races uh, or just done some pretty awesome feats? Uh, what have been some of the coolest ones that uh, either – actually, what have been some of the cool things that you've done uh, as far as running and even just some of the people that you work with? Yeah, so um, for me, I can say that my favorite running distance is um, is a distance that's covered vertically. So you do 1,000 vertical meters. Um, that's around 3,300 uh, feet. Um, and the distance is probably like two miles most of So it's really steep, something like... 30% uh, on average. It's like uh, what they do in Tour de France times three. So you, you, even the best runners in the world, they, they don't run. They actually walk, but really fast and take long steps. Um, I really love that because you activate uh, more uh, bigger muscle groups than when you're running. Um, and so your heart rate goes even higher, uh, which makes it really, really, really tough. And then you get the pleasure of ending ending at a summit, which is just really, really awesome. I, I love the mountains. I love mountain running. Um, and I love running on ridges, combining it with climbing, maybe bringing a rope as well, uh, doing some, I did a, I, I lived two years in Norway uh, in the mountains and um, did one of like 20 hours. Um, because in, in Northern Norway, where I lived, there's in the summer. There's there's a midnight sun. It's called so it's sun. Uh, the, it's sunlight like 24 hours a day. So you could go anytime outdoors and just uh, be on the mountain ridges. Uh, but uh, I do enjoy those really long, long, long uh, runs in the mountains. Um, uh, I'm really much in favor of that. The solitude, just being by yourself, thinking of everything and nothing. Uh, yeah. It sounds like it's a very meditative practice for you, really. <laughs> yeah, it really is. No people, no one disturbing you. Uh, maybe a dog, that would be nice. Uh, but, uh, no other humans. <laughs> no, that sounds actually very peaceful for sure. Yeah, yeah. And some of the other guys, they did much more amazing things than I did. Some ran through the Sahara Desert, uh, like 400 kilometers. Some ran like lots of ultra races. Uh, I'm not too much into that actually, at least not the like real competitions. Um, I once wanted to walk from Kenya to South Africa, that's 5,000 kilometers, but I thought I'll probably give up on the way. So uh, I'm not gonna pursue it right now. Maybe when I'm late, when I'm older. So Jens, we've talked about like a ton of stuff here. What is it like that you're just kind of really intrigued by now? Like, is there anything that you're studying, just geeking out on, uh, really trying to learn a lot more about? 
Hmm. Uh, so one thing I'm very fascinated about, which which is not related to 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 health or training, is that I think um, uh, most of the people that I work with, uh, they don't come from Denmark. I mean, I'm the only one from Denmark, actually. Um, and uh, that's simply because we Danes um, and many people from other developed countries have become, um, uh, we, are, we are living, we are having a, too, a life that's too easy. So we're not hungry enough. So most of the people that I work with do not come from these areas. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing how the world develops and how it will allow uh, developing countries uh, catching up with the West and uh, maybe even taking over in productivity or in uh, GDP, um, being richer countries at one point maybe. But of course it will fade out when they get there because then they also get richer and they also get more saturated and they 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 when they are also able to buy this nice car then they also stop working so but at the moment i think there is a gap between um uh, uh, danes at least and philippines i think the philippines i'm working with they are amazing and they really appreciate uh, getting a job and they work really hard uh, i enjoy that uh, I don't appreciate too much Danes that are too lazy and wants eight weeks of vacation and wants to leave at three. Um, all that being said, in run repeat, all the all the colleagues I'm working with, they they can work as much as they like, whenever they like. They can take as much vacation they like. Uh, I want I I want to have as much freedom as possible in in my company and I want to give the same to my uh, to my colleagues so that that's one thing that's really important to me uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing the the work market how the freelance how the freelance economy or how the freedom in work will develop um, uh, will we still use offices the way we do now in 50 years from now or will remote work be an even bigger thing um, yeah that's what I'm excited about right now that's actually something I think I have two points on that. Like one is uh, I heard a statistic and I'm not sure if it, in India, there are more people with um, like post bachelor's degrees, whether that's masters, PhDs, doctors, whatever it is, than there are people in the U S like that's just, that was a statistic I found just intriguing. Like there are more people that have a high, high level of education than even are people in the U S. Uh, so that's something, I mean, 300 plus 350, 400 million, whatever it is. Like, it's a lot. Uh, but the other thing is, like you said, the, the work landscape. I mean, my boys, like my older one's only two right now. So it's like, I'm curious, what is his education going to look like? Like, as he goes through yeah. elementary school, high school, and then, okay, what is even, what is college or university or what, is that exist? What does it look like in another 16, 18 years from now? I, I have no idea. No. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> but it's fun to think about, and it's fun to see. It's kind of like, a, or or I'm also curious to see. We're talking about running shoes before, and history repeating itself. Well, do certain things now start cycling back around? Like, does something mm. that happened in uh, the in 1900, like, does does that carry more weight in another 50 years again uh, mm. versus? We're always thinking, well, what's more technologically technologically advanced? Maybe we actually keep progressing by regressing to something then too. I, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, but there's a lot of, I think, fun thought experiments that can be had uh, with all of this too. Yeah, definitely. Also, will the urbanization continue? Will people continue moving to the cities? Or at some point, I just saw the news today that in uh, was it in Delhi that it, it, it's it's um, it's like smoking 40, 40, 44 cigarettes a day, just uh, walking to uh, and from work uh, in New Delhi. Um, and that's and only we'll, if you're going to and from work. Like that doesn't even include if you spend some time outside out beyond <laughs> that. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah. So, so what does the future bring? Will people move away from the cities? I mean, right now the trend is moving to cities and they've been doing that for maybe 60, 60 years or something. Um, but 
yeah, it's it's really hard to predict because you can always make make a like linear regression or exponential regression on something and say, oh, this is how it's going to continue. But you never know when it breaks, if it breaks and goes the other way. Wow, this is. <laughs> now, but now I'm thinking it still comes back to like, all right, what do we do? Because ultimately, we have to keep the planet healthy too. Like, sure, mm-hmm. we can keep running or we can keep lifting or eating the foods. It's like, yeah, but if we don't keep Mother Nature happy. We're still all in some trouble, too. <laughs> yeah, we all are. Yeah. So, Jets, coming up on the end of our hour here chatting today, and one of the things that I'm curious uh, about, like one thing I always like to ask people is, who would you want to hear on a podcast like this, and what is it that you would either want to hear them talk about or like a specific question that you would want to ask them? Huh. Oh, I need 30 seconds for that one. Take as long as you need. Yeah. Um, I'd love to hear um, <clears throat> Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Arnold, okay. What is it about Arnold that intrigues you? <clears throat> this guy, he has had success in so many assets of life, and uh, uh, like movies, bodybuilding, uh, politics. How can you do that? How is that possible? Um, and I'd specifically like to hear on his. Uh, his thoughts on the future of um, of doping. Um, uh, I think that's uh, that's really interesting um, because nations are involved in doping. Uh, Russia. I was going to say, have, have you seen the documentary Icarus? Which one? Icarus. Yeah, Icarus. Yeah, I watched that one. I haven't uh, gotten through it yet, but I just started it earlier, a couple of days ago. Like, I'm like halfway through, and it is amazing. Absolutely it, amazing. It gets even more incredible. It's really, really cool. It's really awesome. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. or you could in- you could interview that guy. That guy, I'd love to. I'd love to hear a podcast on All that right, guy. I, I'm gonna have to reach out there too. Um, what What is it about doping? Like. Uh, where do you think everything's at, like as far as that goes? Like, if you wouldn't mind even just taking a minute mm. or two to share your thoughts on it, like where it's at or what needs to be done about it or whatever it might be. Yeah, people have people have always cheated and always will cheat. Uh, so, and in amateur races, uh, it's getting uh, it's easier than ever to get access to doping. So uh, more people, more people see the opportunity to win using doping. So I think that's happening. Uh, I think more people than ever are doped. And in professional, in the professional world, I think uh, it's tenfold what we think it is. Um, uh, that's just uh, that's just my, my opinion on this. I, I, I th- disagree with that. Yeah. I think when 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 watching Icarus, you'll also like. Uh, it takes it to a to a whole new level that uh, um, how important it is for nations to perform well in sports because the image of the nation is is so important and sports is just a really important factor in this and you could see that with Hitler as well he was really really much into sports um, uh, it was it was the most important thing for him to win most medals in the Olympics it was, he was really he was was all in on that and you see the same with Russia you see the same with China China having all their athletes in swimming uh, being doped um, Just how about the US? power yeah exactly it's power how about uh, the US at the moment how about uh, Denmark how about all of those countries um, how extensive is doping actually so getting someone talk some someone uh, yeah yeah, someone who knows stuff about this would be very interesting. I like it. I like it. So, all right, gents, in closing, where can everybody find out more about you, what you have going on, what you have to share with the world? Yeah, so first and foremost, anyone, please send me an email at gents, J-E-N-S, at runrepeat.com if you have any questions about, yeah, anything, or if you think there's anything that I might be able to help you with because it takes me one minute and will take you two hours. Uh, just shoot me an email. Um, I love to get those emails. Also, uh, if there if there anyone who uh, are looking for a job 
and are fascinated about uh, shoes, and that could be hiking, training, basket, soccer, sneakers, running, um, please ping me. Um, you can um, yeah, reach me at the email. You can add me on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, I'll send you the links. Yeah, um, I'll just get those in the show notes for everybody then too. Yeah. I'm always happy to connect with people. Um, so, uh, yeah. Awesome, Jens. This, is, this has been a blast. Uh, really appreciate you coming on. And I, I encourage people to go check out runrepeat.com. Uh, I'm not a runner, but it's still really intriguing. Like, there's still a lot of good info just on shoes in general. I think if you're interested in that, certainly a good place to check that out, as well as some uh, pretty awesome articles then as well. So, Jens, thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you for being awesome host. <laughs> Thanks again for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to check out the show notes for today's episode. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Remember that I'm a holistic lifestyle coach, and the show is sponsored by you guys. Each of you that I work with helps me to be able to put out podcasts like this for free, so thanks again for your love and support. Finally, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others, so thank you.